0: Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. This week, I'm bringing you a talk that I did at Sutz Youth Camp in Melbourne in January 2021. I'm sharing it now because this is a series of talks I did about the stupid stuff Jesus' disciples did. And on 26th of October, I'm releasing my new book, which is all about the same thing. It's called A Dozen Disappointing Disciples, How to Do Stupid Stuff and Still Change the World, which is all about the same theme of stupid disciples and a powerful God. If you like the talk, you'll like the book. Just head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash disciples to check it out and even get a free sample. All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoy the talk. So I am someone who loves guns, and I love tanks, and I love fighter jets, and I'm a pacifist. I really love things that blow up, and I really hate violence. And so this causes problems for me, but not that many problems. Uh, But mainly, I just love things that explode. That gets pretty exciting for me. And one day I was in uh, in Adelaide. I was on holidays with my friends. We were walking down the street. And as we were walking down the street, we saw that there was an indoor shooting range where they let you shoot real guns. And we were all like city boys who have never shot any guns that weren't cap guns. And so we were like, we've got to go in there and we've got to shoot real guns, It's going to be amazing. And so we went in there and we paid our money and they showed us all the guns we could shoot. There was like a Desert Eagle gun and a Colt 45, and there was a Glock 9mm and I was like, that's the one I want. I knew that I wanted that one because that's the one that's always in the movie's And I was like, the reason why I love guns so much is because there are so many guns in movies and I want to be like the people in the movies. So I got the Glock and they gave me 50 rounds and I shot all 50 rounds and 25 of them didn't make it onto the target, but 25 of them did. And I felt great. It was so loud and... It was like, this is the most exciting thing in the world. I had so much fun. And I I love things that go bang. I'm also a bit of a plane nerd. So sometimes I go to plane shows to watch air shows to look at planes because, you know, like, who doesn't love a a Boeing 737? Isn't that exciting? But the most exciting bit at an air show, even if you are not interested in air shows at all, at the end of the air show, pretty much every air show, the fighter jets come as the finale. And they come in, and they come in very low over the runway, and then they have all these explosives set up along the runway, so as the plane flies along, it just goes, and it's like the plane has done a bombing run, it hasn't, but it's just, you know, huge fireballs, and I'm there with my camera going, oh, "This is amazing, and I love it, I just love things that blow up, it's really fun, and I wish we weren't in a world where guns and tanks and stuff were used to kill people, and they were just used to blow stuff up. Like wouldn't that be great if tanks were just like, yeah, just drive a tank around and blow things up and no one gets hurt and everyone's happy. That would be fantastic. And if they're just in movies, that would be great. And I'm sad that people blow things up for reasons other than just for, you know, fireworks and excitement. Now I tell you this because I think this, you know, desire to see things blow up, which I'm sure many of you have also, is is not just a modern day thing. It's a universal human trait. That we love explosions. And the reason why I think this is because we see it in the passage in the Bible. James and John want to blow stuff up. Now, the way that the story begins, uh, as you see from the passage, it says, As the time approached for him, that's Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem. They've resolutely set out, like they're determined to get there. And it's not like they're determined to get there because they just really, really like Jerusalem. Not like I am, after this, I'm going to be determined to get home and sit on my couch and watch YouTube because I really, really like my couch and watching YouTube. I mean, that is stuff that they probably like Jerusalem, but it's more than that. Because in Jerusalem, that is where Jesus is going to die, that is where Jesus is going to achieve what he came to achieve to die on the cross, to rise again to new life, uh, to do the work to set us free from sin and death. And so he is resolutely on his way to achieve his mission. And as they're going to Jerusalem, they've got to travel all the way there and they're going to have to travel through some towns. And so they have the option of traveling through Samaritan towns. Now, Samaritans. Were people who didn't like the Jews very much. The Jews are Jesus and his disciples. The Samaritans were not Jews, and <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, they didn't like each other because they had similar uh, religious faiths, but not quite the same. Like they were, they were close to each other, but they were a bit different. And you know, when there are things that are very far apart you don't really care about them that much. But when there are things that are kind of similar, then you care a lot about them. For instance, uh, I am someone who likes Coke. I was talking about it a bit over at, at dinner with uh, my dinner table friends. Uh, and uh, I, I love Coke. And so there's lots of drinks in the world that I don't have a problem with. Like a, like a pumpkin spice iced latte, I don't care about. But I'll tell you what I do care about, Pepsi. Pepsi is the worst, the worst of all drinks, and the reason why it's the worst of all drinks is because it's so similar to Coke, but it's not. It's a perversion of Coke. And so the Jews saw the Samaritans and the way that they did their faith, and like, they have perverted our faith. And the Samaritans look at the Jews, and they're like, the way they do their faith, they have perverted their faith. And so they hated each other. And Jesus was going to travel through the Samaritan towns. And so he sent people in front of him to go to the Samaritan and say, Jesus is coming. Do, is it okay if he stays in the town and maybe he could do some preaching and teaching? And the Samaritans are like, no, we don't want Jesus. He's a Jewish rabbi. We don't want him coming to our town. Send him on. And so Jesus isn't going to stay there. The, the message comes back to Jesus and the disciples, and they hear about this. And Jesus is ready for this. Jesus knew this kind of thing would happen because in your Bibles, if you've got them open, if you look back early on in uh, Luke chapter 9, the same chapter that this passage is in, it says, uh, it says this. This is what he, they get told to do. Uh, he's sending out the disciples, and uh, it says to them uh, in verse 5, it says, If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So what he's saying is, if you're trying to go to a town and visit, and people are not wanting you in the town, then shake the dust off your feet, which seems a bit strange. But what it's like, it's like brushing your shoulder off. Like if you know that, yeah, it's like you don't care. You're done. It's not your problem, you you brush your shoulder off, you brush your feet off, the dust off your feet. But it's a little bit more than that. It's not just saying, this is not my concern, but it's saying, this is not my concern, but also this is now God's concern. I'm not going to judge these people. God can judge these people. So it's a form of protest, but it's the least violent form of protest there is. Like if last week in the U.S., all of Trump's supporters marched down to the US Capitol and then brushed their feet off, it would be a very different place in the US today. You'd be like, well, that was a very strange protest, but hey, <laughs> good on them. Uh, but the disciples, uh, they remember, they've had Jesus' teaching and they hear this. And what do you think James and John do? Well, you know what they do because you read the passage, but they could just be like, oh yeah, I remember, Jesus taught us about this, we should just brush our feet off. But no, they say, can we blow them up, Jesus? Please, let's call down skyfire. fire. This will be great. They're really excited to blow up the Samaritans. And, uh, and why would they think this? Well, one, because they hate the Samaritans. But two, because they've seen Jesus and they're like, Jesus probably got some serious firepower on hand. So these guys would have remembered the stories they were told as kids. And if you've grown up in church, you've been told a lot of stories uh, in Sunday school, probably, And one of the stories they would have learned is the story of Elijah and the Samaritan king. And this is in 2 Kings, chapter 1, where Elijah is uh, hanging out on a mountain and he says something that the king of Samaria, where the Samaritans are, he doesn't like. And so the king of Samaria sends a a captain with 50 men to see Elijah. And the captain of 50 men says, come down, Elijah. And Elijah says, man of God, come down. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, may fire fall from the sky and consume you, and guess what happens? Fire falls from the sky and consumes them. And if you're a young Israelite boy, you're like, yeah, more fire, which is exactly what happens because another captain comes along with another 50 men and they, man of God, come down. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, may fire fall from the sky and consume you. And then. Pfft, so they're blown up again. And then if you're young, youngest like, boy, you're like, yeah. And then the third captain comes along. And you're like, yeah, some more. And the captain's like, please don't burn me up because he's the smart captain and he doesn't get burnt up. And so the, the disciples, James and John, they're remembering this. And they're like, we remember, we've learned actually that Jesus is the Messiah, which means that he is greater than Elijah. So he's going to have like twice the firepower of Elijah. This is going to be fantastic. And so they say, to Jesus, uh, they say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire to destroy them? Because, of course, if Jesus has been insulted by these Samaritans, Jesus can blow up the Samaritans. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't blow them up. Which is good. Because I would feel quite conflicted about Jesus if he started blowing people up. Like, it'd be a very different Bible story if Jesus just went around and like, went, I mean, like, Jesus' movies would be cooler. We've much, I've like, if there was more explosions in Jesus' movies, I would be happy. But as saviour of the world and someone who I want to follow with my life, I don't want someone who goes around regularly blowing people up because they don't let him visit his town. No, Jesus does what he has taught them to do. He does nothing. He doesn't brush the dust off his feet, but he pretty much does. He just moves on. He leaves it. It's not his problem anymore. And uh, I think what we can remember from this is that there is a challenge for us here in how we respond to the Samaritans in our life. Now, chances are you don't have an actual problem with Samaritans. I mean, if you do, you can work on that. But there are probably people in your life who you have a problem with. There are certain people who, or groups of people who you are angry at, who you don't like, who you are afraid of who wish life would go badly for them? I used to do uh, work as a gas meter reader, which means that my job was to go around to people's houses. Maybe you've seen them do it at your house. And I would wear high vis and then I'd walk into people's front yards and I'd find the gas meter and I'd read the numbers on the gas meter and I'd put it into my machine and I'd walk to the next house and I'd do it again and I'd walk to the next house and I'd do it again. It was a very, very exciting job. But one of the things that would happen is when I went into people's front yards is that sometimes in the front yards, there were dogs in the front yards, and you had to be wary of dogs, because dogs sometimes don't like it when people come into their front yard. Sometimes they love it. Sometimes they're like, hello, hello, human, it's great to see you. But sometimes they're like, human, get out of here, I'm going to rip your throat out. And you don't know which was which. When you look at a dog when you're walking past, you can't tell. And my company was always like, "Do not go into a yard where there is a dog off a leash," and I would be like, "Yeah, dogs are pretty good." And so I, you know, for a while I was going into yards, and the dogs would be like, "Hey, how's it going?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, good to see your dog." And I'd be like, "Yeah, good to see you too, Tom." And then I'd go read the gas meter, and then I'd be off, and everything would be great. But then every now and then I'd go into a yard, and a dog would come and I'm like, "What are you doing? Get out of my house!" And I'd be like, oh, I run away, and then and then regularly dogs started chasing me, and I and I would say to the dog, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm hoping that the dog would understand English, and I assume they did, and uh, and even got to the point where any dog scared me. Like I went to this house, big rich house, no fences, but up on the front step of the house there was this tiny little dog, even even smaller than uh, Humphrey. Is Humphrey? Yeah, I'm like H Hudson Humphrey Harrison. Okay. Oh, yes. Humphrey, even smaller than Humphrey. And I was like, that's a cute dog. And then was like, and then ran at me. I was like, and I ran away from the little dog as well. And any dog I saw, I was scared of for a while because I had a few run-ins with a few bad dogs. Not all dogs are bad. Some dogs are scary. But because some dogs are scary, I had a problem with all dogs. Now, maybe that's how you feel about some people because there are some people who might give a bad name to all people. And you might have had a bad run-in with one person of a particular race or a particular gender or a particular sexual orientation or a particular religion. And then you think all people like that are just like that person you had a bad run-in with. Or maybe you're a bit like the disciples were, that you might have been told all your life by the people in your family or the people in your school, your friends, the people around you, that those type, these types of people, they're bad people. And so you've got a problem with those people, not because they've done anything to you, but just because you've been told that they're bad. We see it, this kind of prejudice in the world all the time. These are the Samaritans in our lives that we have problems with. Uh, when COVID uh, just started, there was a whole bunch of racism that happened against people of Asian descent. Because uh, you know, COVID started in China, and so people were like, "Well, anyone who looks like they're from China must be to blame for this," and people took their fear out in racism. And you might have experienced some of this yourself. These are people who see others as the Samaritans in their life. And so, if you're feeling this about people, about a particular type of person, how do you respond? Well, the first thing you can do is just take a page out of Jesus' book and do nothing. Do nothing. Don't attack them. Don't say bad things about them. Don't use derogatory terms about them. Don't write on social media about them. Just leave them. Brush the dust off your feet. And they can be God's problem. And if there's something wrong with them, God will deal with it. And if there's not, God will deal with it. It's not your problem. Do nothing. But that's not the end of the story, because what we see with Jesus is that it's not the end of the story with the Samaritans for him. He didn't just brush the dust of his feet and then move on. He went to Jerusalem, and when he went to Jerusalem, he died in Jerusalem, And when he died in Jerusalem, the death that he died was not just for the people who were like him. It was not just for the people, the Jewish people of the same race as him or the same faith as him. It was for more than that. Because after he died and after he rose again to new life... He invited the disciples, including James and John, who were the sons of thunder, as Jesus called them, who wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. He invited them and the rest of the disciples onto a mountaintop. And before he went into heaven, he gave them this command. It's from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He was saying, your job is to go and tell the world what I have done for them, that my death on the cross is for them, that they can be part of God's family. It's for the people in Jerusalem, which for the Jews was the most holy place. It's for the people in Judea, the surrounding countryside, the people who are like you. But it's also for the people in Samaria, the people who are a bit different from you, the people who you hate. And it's for the people to the very ends of the earth from races and religions that you've never heard of. All those people are to be invited into God's kingdom. All those people have the opportunity to hear about God's love. All those people are welcome and loved by God because they have been created in his image. And Jesus is asking these men, these men who wanted to blow up the Samaritans, to go to the Samaritans and to tell them that they are loved by God and they are welcome in his kingdom. He was asking them to seek the good of those people who they did not like because Jesus sought their good when he died on the cross for them. And so the next step for us after we do nothing is to then be willing to take the step that Jesus calls us to and to seek the good of those people who we don't like to seek the good of those people who are not like us, the good of those people who we are afraid of, the good of those people who we are angry at, the good of those people who are the Samaritans in our life. And we do that because we know that we have a God who sought our good, that we were God's enemies once, but he made us his children when he sent Jesus to die for us. he could have destroyed us. He could have called down fire upon us, but instead he was destroyed himself on our behalf and he rose again to new life. Who are the Samaritans in your life and how is God calling you to seek their good? Uh, When I was in high school, there was a a group of uh, people in my high school from a particular country, which I'm not going to tell you, uh, but let's just say that they were all from Sweden. And these Swedes, most of them were great. Most of them were friendly and kind and were, were nice to you. Almost all the others just left you alone. But there were some of these Swedes who would walk around in a gang together and they would cause trouble for you. Now, most of them were younger than me, these IKEA lovers. Uh, but... But so they didn't cause me that many issues, but one of them had a particular problem with a guy in my group. And whenever they saw whenever he saw them, he'd like run into him. Let's call him Sven. So Sven would like run into my friend, he'd like push him over, or he'd like one time he like pushed him up against the wall and ripped his shirt pocket. Yes, Sven. Sven. Yeah. So Sven I was scared of Sven. Even though he was two years younger than me, he was bigger than me, he was a Swede. It was a worry. But then I was making a film for drama, and in the film there was a role for a bully. And I was like, how can I cast a bully? Who could be a bully? What bullies do I know? Sven. Sven is a bully. He would be the perfect bully but how could I invite a bully to be in my film without, getting him to, without him beating me up when I went and approached him? I was like, I know. We've got a mutual friend. I'll ask her to introduce me to Sven as a friend. And so I asked her, and she took me up to Sven. And he said, hello, I am Sven. And I said, hello. I was wondering if you'd like to be in my film. And he was like, me in your film? <laughs> my Swedish accent is going to be terrible. Uh, I'm going to, any Swedes in the room would be like, you are my Samaritan now, Tom. Anyway, I was like, please be in my film spin. It's like, I cannot, I cannot act. I am terrible at acting. And I was like, no, you'd be great. It's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was like, no, you wouldn't. It's like, no, 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 no. I was like, my drama teacher will get you out of class. I was like, okay, maybe I can do it. And so then I invited him to come along and film. And Sven, it turned out, he was, when it was just me and him, he was not a big bully. He was just as scared as being on film and being vulnerable as the rest of us are. Like, you know that feeling when people are like, I want you to be in my film. Some of you, some of you are like, I will be in your film. But a lot of you are like, that terrifies me. And he was just like that. He was just like insecure, you and me. And when he came along to film uh, that day, I had felt like God was telling me something, that he was reminding me of what he said uh, in Luke chapter six, where he says, "Uh, but you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. I was like, Sven is my enemy. And so I need to bless him. I need to love him. I was like, I don't know how to do that. I'll just be as kind as I can to this man who has not been kind to me or my friends." And so when he came in, we had a, a spread of food for all the actors because we were filming all day. We had uh, chicken and chips and Coke. It was a great feast. And I was like, Sven, this is for you. He's like, For me? I was like, For you? He's like, No meatballs? I was like, No meatballs, Sven. But there is chicken and chips and Coke. He's like, I can eat it. You can eat as much as you want. Really? I was like, Yes. Thank you so much. And then when it was time to film the scene, he was perfect. He was the perfect bully. The only problem with him is that when he was pushing the main actor into a locker, he was too soft. He was like, eh. I was like, no, Sven, do it hard. I was like, eh. I was like, push it harder." And he was like, eh. Uh. I was like, was that okay? He was like, that was great, Sven. I was like, oh, great. I did well. And then, and then Sven and I, I would like to tell you that after that I told him the gospel and he became a Christian and now he's the pastor of a megachurch, but that's not true. But we became acquaintances. He stopped beating up my friends, and then whenever we saw each other in the hall, we'd walk along, and I'd be like, eh. and he'd be like, eh. I was like, yes. We're like, eh, friends now. And what I discovered at that point in time was that, that kindness can show you the humanity of your enemies. That if you're willing to love your enemies, you will see them the way that, just a little bit, the way that Jesus sees them. That as you seek their good, you are joining in the work of Jesus. And so who are your Samaritans? And what is God calling you to do? For some of you, the challenge is just to do nothing. And if that's where you are, that's okay. If what you really want to do is to hate people, to hurt people, to tell lies about people, and what you choose to do, though, is just to do nothing, and you manage to do that well, then that's the Holy Spirit at work in you, and you can thank God for that. But if you are like me and you're very good at doing nothing, then maybe God is calling you to take the next step with the Samaritans in your life, to seek their good, to seek that they might know Jesus, to seek to love them the way Jesus has loved you. And as you pursue that, maybe it will take you further in your life. If you commit yourself to seeking the good of all people, even those people who don't like you, maybe one day you'll end up a CMS missionary in Sweden. And you'll be showing love to the Samaritans in your life now. God can do big things if we let him work in us. And we say, I will choose to seek the good of those around me because you have sought my good when you sent your son Jesus for us. If you are not a Christian, then what this means for you is that at the moment that you are God's enemies, because of the things that you have done, because the way that you have rebelled against him, God is your enemy. But he doesn't want it to remain that way. And that's why he sent Jesus to seek your good, to give up his life for you, so that you don't have to face his judgment. He doesn't. He's not coming to blow you up. He has come in his Son Jesus to die for you and to rise again, so that you can be part of his family. And he's inviting you to know that he is not out to get you, but he's out to make you his child. Will you be willing to commit yourself to him? And if you are a Christian, then the challenge in this for you is to think about who are the Samaritans in your life and what is God calling you to do? Is it to do nothing? To stop doing whatever else it is that you want to do and do nothing? To brush the dust off your feet? Or is he calling you to take the next step and to actively seek their good like Jesus actively sought yours? Whatever it is, If you obey him, I promise you, you will see God at work in your life and in the lives of those people that you choose to love. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father God, uh, we thank you uh, that you sent your son Jesus for us. That even though we were your enemies, he did not seek our destruction, but he sought uh, our redemption and our welcome into your family. I pray that we will remember this truth. And that we would seek the good of our enemies. That we would seek to love the Samaritans in our life. Because we know that we are people who have been loved by you. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope that was helpful for you. If you want to get your hands on a dozen disappointing disciples, or check out a free sample, head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash disciples. You can also find my other books, videos, and more also at my website. So feel free to check it out. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it. Till next time, have a good one.